What happens when the wrong person heads up a public defender's office? Poor representation for low-income defendants? Chronic lack of funding? A dysfunctional office where you can't attract high-quality staff? Police abuse, judicial overreach, DA abuse, unchecked. And overall lower standards of representation for all defendants. That's exactly what's at stake in Rochester, New York, and the Monroe County Public Defender's Office that serves that area. The Monroe County Legislature is about to appoint a new head of the Public Defender's Office, likely a man named Robert Fogg. And if the legislature seeks the wrong candidate, decades of reform are at risk. I'm Mary Whiteside, an appellate attorney for New York State and formerly an assistant public defender for Monroe County. And you're listening to May It Displease the Court. Even if you are not from Monroe County, this is a great case study on the broader court issues that we all need to be learning about. There is a pending federal class action lawsuit about police brutality for the Rochester Police Department and also naming different uh, Rochester politicians. There was a police killing by the Rochester Police Department of a mentally ill unarmed black man that foreshadowed George Floyd. And Rochester And Monroe County is a bastion of criminal defense work because of the alarmingly high murder rate, higher even than New York City. So the person who gets appointed to be the next public defender, or PD in short, is a big deal. They need to be very well experienced in running an office, supervising a lot of people. They need to see themselves as the last line of defense for poor people against the well-funded power of the government. And, I mean, call me naive, but they should probably know something about Monroe County and maybe, I don't know, have some investment in all of the stuff that happens there. Yet the person poised to be appointed, Robert Fogg, is none of these things. He doesn't live in Monroe County. He doesn't practice law in Monroe County. He's never supervised a large office, has little to no record of working with the most vulnerable people in the legal system. And maybe most importantly, he is less qualified than the candidates of the Monroe County Public Defender's Office. In other words, there are people that already work in the PD's office, they're doing the work now, and they are significantly better choices than Fogg. There is absolutely no reason to hire someone from outside the office to be the next PD. I can think of 10 highly qualified APDs or assistant public defenders off the top of my head. Several of them actually threw their hat in the ring to become the next public defender. Which begs the question, why bring an outsider in to run the PD's office rather than promote somebody from within? Now, the big reason why Fogg seems to be getting the appointment is the actions taken by Monroe County Legislature's president, Sabrina Lamar. Now, Lamar's a Democrat, but she caucuses with the Republicans, which means that she aligns her votes with Republicans. So I'm doubly suspicious of Lamar because, like, why are you supporting Republicans even though you're supposedly a Democrat? And why are you supporting an outsider for a position when there are obviously more qualified people who already work there? To be fair, I can't see inside Lamar's head, but I can look at the actions, which is what the rest of this episode does. And those actions tell me that this political appointment process, which she created, appears to have been designed to favor outsider black candidates who lack supervisory and indigent criminal defense experience over current white public defenders who have dedicated their entire careers to indigent criminal defense. 
In short, Lamar is valuing race over experience, which is a mistake. And the rest of this episode examines the flaws in Lamar's process. The arbitrariness and the lack of accountability and transparency in this process is a window into what is happening all over the country and why the U.S. legal system is totally screwed up. In Monroe County, the law states that the county legislature is going to appoint the public defender for a two-year term. Now, the law doesn't specify the selection process. The president of the legislature, who that's currently Sabrina Lamar, gets to set the process for selecting who the entire legislature gets to vote on. Now, you would have thought that this would have been easy, because when the former PD, Tim Donaher, resigned after 14 years in 2021, he left first assistant Jill Paperno, who is a 35-year veteran of the office in charge. Tim wrote a glowing letter of recommendation highlighting Jill's experience, her qualifications, her dedication to indigent defense work, and also the Monroe County Public Defender's Office, and he recommended to the legislature that Jill be appointed the next public defender. So obviously, there's going to have to be a really good reason for Lamar's process not to wind up appointing Jill. I mean, that's just the way politics go, typically. Of course, we know that somebody else, other people are going to challenge Jill because she's a woman, and there has never been a female public defender. There has been a black public defender previously. So Robert Fogg would be the second. Now, seven other people threw their hats in the ring to be considered for public defender alongside Jill, perfectly normal. And one would expect that the process would produce someone who is at least as qualified or more qualified than Jill. If not, then the process should produce Jill as next public defender. So when I heard a few months ago a prediction that Jill would never get appointed because somebody in the legislature didn't like her, I thought, no way. She's so qualified. She's experienced. She checks all of the boxes. So there's no way that there's some personal thing that's going to sink 35 years of relevant experience and dedicated service. Unless, of course, that person is the president of the legislature, which, of course, I can't say for sure who it is because I don't know. But what I can say is that the entire legislature will not get to vote on whether to appoint Jill based on the process set up by Lamar. All right, let's take a closer look at Lamar's selection process. Lamar created a committee to review the candidate's submissions and conduct interviews, narrowing the candidates and eventually making a recommendation. Lamar, however, she gets to make the final selection on which candidate is going to be recommended as public defender. But the full legislature still gets to vote. So ultimately, they have the say, but she's definitely putting forward her candidate. Now, the committee Lamar created consisted of seven individuals, which included a former judge, attorneys, and clergy. Lamar chose five of the committee members, and she gave the leaders of the Democrats and the Republicans one appointment each for a total of seven. So, frankly, I think she opens herself up to criticism of of a politicized process that she designed when she handpicks five of the seven committee members. Also, she has them using a secret ballot process to select the finalists to move on, which goes to her. So there's a lack of transparency there, you know, which makes you wonder, is the committee independent or did it rubber stamp Lamar's desires? Let's look closer at Jill. She is a white woman, but she has all of the qualifications to be the next PD. Decades of experience in the trenches of Monroe courts 
She's also been in the trenches of the office. She has supervisory experience. She trains defense attorneys within the office, and also she does trainings throughout the state. She publicly posted all of her submission documents, so the public could go look at her writing samples, her resume. She got a glowing recommendation from the outgoing PD, yet the committee didn't even give Jill a second interview. That's a decision that could not have been based on merit. It had to have been a political disqualification because she she was objectively one of the most qualified applicants. I mean, to not even give her a second interview was just an obvious snub and an insult, frankly. And in response, Joe resigned, which is a huge loss for the office and the indigent clients that they serve. I mean, the committee's stupidity in not even extending her a second interview resulted in a group of about 30 anonymous attorneys within the Monroe County Public Defender's Office writing a letter, a public letter, condemning the selection process. And they said, we're writing it anonymously because we're concerned about retaliation. Now, this letter raised awareness in the community, and the community demanded a public forum, which was held with the remaining four finalists. Let me give you a snapshot of the four candidates who actually did move on over Jill. Sarah Valencia. She's a black woman, black attorney, rumored to be Lamar's preference. And if she was Lamar's preferred candidate, then I'm very concerned about Lamar's judgment. Ms. Valencia is a former assistant district attorney. She never worked in the public defender's office, so she's applying for a job she's never done. At the public forum, Ms. Valencia was the only candidate who refused to promise that she would not fire or demote current assistant public defenders. So we know she's lacking experience, and she isn't planning on utilizing the vast experience already within the office to help her with a job she's never done before. This is a problem because the PD's office handles the majority of criminal matters, and the quality of representation generated by that office raises the standards of representation for all defendants, and also what the courts expect from defense attorneys, what the DAs expect to be, how the the DAs expect to be challenged. And it's expected that the public defender is going to rigorously challenge the government's proof. When Valencia was a prosecutor, she had three cases overturned due to unlawful arrests and unconstitutional searches. This is not good. The PD needs to be able to recognize what is an illegal arrest. What is an unconstitutional search? As a prosecutor, Valencia had the power to decide not to prosecute cases that violate the Constitution. So it is deeply concerning that she chose to pursue cases which were eventually dismissed as being unconstitutional violations. So frankly, it is outrageous that the committee chose Valencia as a finalist but not Jill. I'm going to have to argue to you. I think it is reasonable to infer that Lamar did actually have it out for Jill and was pushing Valencia, who doesn't have the experience, knowledge, or skills to lead the PD's office. That makes me nervous about Lamar's ability to select somebody. Another finalist was Andre Vitale. He's a white man, He's the first assistant public defender from New Jersey, which is a job that he took a few years ago. But see, Andre is not actually an outsider. He worked at the PD's office for, I don't know, over a decade at least. He is smart. 
He's hardworking. He is extremely dedicated to indigent defense. He was a longtime supervisor in the office. He is well-known and well-regarded by the courts and the attorneys in the area. Now, I would not endorse Andre over another candidate who I'll talk about in a minute, frankly, just because of his managerial style. He's like kind of this authoritarian, like older brother who is extremely sure that his method is the best and the only correct way. So he'll clash with colleagues from time to time. But, you know, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of nitpicking a little bit here. He definitely checks most of the boxes and he would be my strong second choice out of the remaining finalists that went forward. All right, now let's talk about Robert Fogg. He's a black man from Buffalo, New York, which is about an hour east of Rochester. He is the only true outsider candidate. I don't know him. I've never heard of him. And that is the same assessment that I have heard from every attorney that I know from Monroe County, which means that he doesn't practice in Monroe County. I think that's a big strike against him because he doesn't know the judges, the district attorneys, the police department, the court staff, the sheriff deputies, and they don't know him. So because nobody knows him, what I do know about him, I gleaned from his website, which says he's a solo practitioner admitted to the bar 26 years ago. He was a former prosecutor for the Erie County District Attorney's Office. After he left there, he worked in a private firm doing criminal defense. Then he opened up a solo general practice law firm. Now, general practice means he does a bunch of different type of law, criminal law, immigration, personal injury, like a smorgasbord doesn't really have supervisory experience because it's a solo practice. He so he's not so there aren't other attorneys underneath him. I couldn't find a report where he's handled any significant or high profile case. And the work history that he promotes does not demonstrate or even mention indigent defense. So, you know, that's not a big priority for him. He's basically an unknown quantity. Now, on the plus side, He acknowledged that the office is well-run and promised not to demote or fire any current public defenders. Whew, that's good. Okay, the last finalist I'm going to talk about is Assistant Public Defender Julie Sianca, also a white woman. She began working at the Public Defender's Office right out of law school with 29 years experience doing indigent criminal defense. She's a brilliant, extremely successful trial attorney. She has a an extraordinary winning record, which is hard to do. She has over 100 felony trials, which include high-profile cases, murders. She has supervised nearly every department in the office and is currently in charge of implementing continuing legal education programs for both the office and also the broader defense community. She's local. She knows everybody, the judges, the DAs, the court staff. She's lovely. She's calm. She's very respectful. She has shown her dedication to the indigent clientele. She's a legal defense expert. She is always super prepared, hardworking. She sets high standards for herself and her coworkers. She is not afraid to stand up to power to fight for clients. And those are the characteristics that are needed to continue to advocate for more resources at the office. She checks all the boxes. And frankly, she should be a shoo-in since the committee's secret ballot took out Jill. But the committee voted again and narrowed it down to Julie and Robert. So they were the, I don't know, super finalists. But then on July 28th, Lamar announced her recommendation. She's recommending that the legislature appoint Robert Fogg as public defender. (sighs) Okay, so clearly 
this is much bigger than just somebody in the legislature doesn't like Jill, because the process that Lamar created has now rejected the two most qualified candidates. Sianka is clearly more qualified than Fogg, so how exactly is Lamar justifying her recommendation of Fogg? Gary Craig is a reporter from the Democrat and Chronicle, and he's been following this story very closely. He quoted Lamar in an article he wrote on July 28th, and Lamar said, Fogg was the only candidate to have a unanimous support in both rounds of voting by the selection committee. Mind you, that's a secret ballot. Lamar said that Fogg could also help bolster diversity in the office, which, like many other public sector law offices, has struggled to keep people of color in its ranks. She said we have the opportunity to bring diversity to the office because the commitment to diversity in any organization must begin at the top. She claimed that she's heard complaints of assistant public defenders not staying in touch with clients and also that the office has been politicized in recent years. Her allies wrote a letter to the legislature's urging support of Fogg. The letter implied that the Commission on Racial and Structural Equity was particularly critical of the public defender's office. Now, this claim was refuted by the former assistant public defender, Danielle Ponder, who wrote the portion of the report on uh, racial and structural equity that was being cited. And Ponder explained that the goal of that section was to highlight that the public defender's office just needs additional resources, particularly family court, which has been historically underfunded and leaving attorneys with, with large caseloads and little resources. Now, the former PD, Tim Donaher, he fought back. He wrote the Monroe County Legislature responding to Lamar's press conference remarks, stating that, quote, prior to recent increases in state funding, the public defender's office attorneys worked thousands of hours of unpaid overtime, that in his 14 years of being PD, he rarely got notified by legislators about any concerns from their constituents about the care and quality of PD representation, and that he got none from Lamar. He called Lamar's assertions about the PD staff baseless, reprehensible, and farcical. And he called it an attempt to denigrate the public defender's staff to buttress Fogg's credentials as an outsider, as the best person to lead the PD's office instead of focusing on credentials. Now, Danielle Ponder, she's a, like a really interesting uh, person. She was an intern when I was at the PD's office, and she later got hired as a public defender. And then she left to pursue a musical career because she is stupid talented. So she was, you know, working, doing music part-time or, you know, full-time. And she was approached by Tim uh, and asked if she could come back as a special assistant public defender, diversity and inclusion officer. And her position would be to work on expanding the diversity of the office and the staff and to help build an inclusive organization. So she was quoted in an article in July 2020 by Gary Craig about that position. And she said, diversity and inclusion are key components to providing excellent legal services. And that she believed this position would improve office culture and enhance representation that our clients receive. So it's not true that that Tim or the office were ignoring the importance of diversity and working on trying to improve that. And that, you know, we have to bring in an outsider because nothing's being done. Now, Ponder did leave the office again at the end of uh, 2021 to pursue her music career. And I have to say, she is blowing up. I'm going to have to do a quick plug here. 
her debut album, Some of Us Are Brave, is dropping on September 16th. And you look at the show notes, there'll be a link to purchase that. She was on Seth Meyers. She is touring nationally. And you got to listen to her. Just before the, the album drops, you have to find her on YouTube. She's like a mashup of Amy Winehouse, Nina Simone, and Aretha Franklin. She's she's Her voice is incredible. She does this cover of Creep that just blows the original out of the water. It is, it's transformative. All right. Digression finished. Back to the episode. I just have to say, she's just so great. Okay. I have to take some time, frankly, and rebut what Lamar is saying about the office being politicized. So let me tell you about the last time that a PD was chosen in Monroe County, because that's what Lamar is implying. Okay. She's, she never actually said this, but it's my interpretation that, you know, because a white man, Tim Donaher, was kind of shoved through in 2008 by the legislature that the fog appointment, fog as a black man, is completely justified. And frankly, the issue with fog is not his race. It's his lack of qualification. And frankly, Fogg being a black man is one of his few positive qualities. I think that is absolutely a check in his favor. Unfortunately, there just aren't enough other qualifications compared to the other candidates. And it's true. Donaher's selection as PD, it was controversial. He was pushed through by a Republican majority, and they didn't include the Democrats in a way that made them feel like they were a part of the process sufficiently. I was working in the PD's office at the time that Tim was appointed and before, you know, he was working there before. I didn't really know him very well because he worked in the appeals unit and I was like a brand new baby trial attorney. So we didn't really cross paths very often. I don't really recall any other candidates vying for the position, but I'm sure there were others. I do recall that it got ugly. Local black activists and Democratic lawmakers were arrested at the county legislature protesting his selection. But, you know, their allegations and their concerns really don't hold up to scrutiny. Tim checked way more boxes than Fogg. You know, he lived in Monroe County. He practiced law in Monroe County. He was an insider at the PD's office. He had experience working with the most vulnerable people in the legal system before he was appointed. I don't really know how much supervisory experience he had, but he was at least well integrated for many years into the office that he would eventually run. And he was reappointed for 14 years by the legislature, which included strong bipartisan support of Democrats and Republicans for all seven of his reappointments. So when Lamar is saying that, you know, Fogg's appointment is controversial because the office has been, quote, politicized or because Donaher is a white man, maybe he was given considerations that Fogg as a black man hasn't been. It's just it's not accurate to what was happened. It's also just not accurate to the criticisms of Fogg. You know, Fogg's being criticized because he's not qualified. And the person who is qualified is the person that the Democrats have been supporting all along, which is Assistant Public Defender Julie Sianca. And they claim that they also have Republicans that will vote for her if, if Lamar, you know, will put her up for a vote. But Lamar wants Fogg. Now, you don't have to take Donaher's opinions or my opinions about the quality of the Monroe County public defenders, or their dedication to, you know, the indigent clients that they serve. And 
particularly the black indigent clients that they serve. You can go back and listen to my previous episodes. Episode two with uh, acting public defender Eric Teifke, Do Black Lives Matter in the Courtroom? Episode nine with Jill Paperno on Daniel Prude and protester rights. Episode 17 with Julie Sianka on broadening the bench and bringing more public defenders to the judiciary. So, you know, judge for yourself. Lamar announced her choice of fog in late July, and several legislative meetings have gone by without Lamar scheduling a vote on whether to appoint fog. Again, only the full legislature can appoint the public defender. So, you know, she can shove fog down their proverbial throat, but she can't make them swallow. If Democratic legislators really want Julie for the job, I suppose there could be a political miracle. But anyway, I'm not holding my breath. Regardless, I'm making my case. Robert Fogg is not the best choice for public defender because he's an outsider. He's not from Monroe County. He doesn't practice in Monroe County. No one knows him. One of the main benefits of local counsel is they know and can advise clients about how a particular court or a judge behaves, what arguments are going to likely hold sway, what type of advocacy is going to work best given the temperament of the judge, their law clerk, the prosecutor. Fogg, he's unfamiliar with all of that. Robert Fogg is totally unfamiliar with the goings-on in the Monroe County District Attorney's Office. He just lacks the specific knowledge, and that's not going to serve indigent clients well. You can contrast that with Julie Sianka, who has spent her entire career in Monroe County courts and opposing the DA's office. He's also not the best choice because he doesn't possess the qualifications to suggest that he's ready to lead a large indigent defense office. Fogg may have handled some assigned counsel cases, but it's a small portion of his general practice firm. He hasn't demonstrated a commitment to high-volume indigent criminal defense practice. He's a solo practitioner who took many different types of cases, personal injury, immigration, family, criminal. He's not a criminal defense specialist. I can't find a record again of any significant cases he's done. And as a solo practitioner, he hasn't demonstrated the ability to supervise attorneys to handle budgetary responsibilities that come with being a public defender. Julie Sianka supervised most of the divisions of the public defender's office, and she's currently in charge of training attorneys within and outside the office. Ultimately, Lamar's implicit argument is that installing a black public defender is going to be sufficient to answer calls for a better public defender's office. So now we have to ask the tough question. Is giving up all of the experience that Julie Sianka would bring to the table okay simply because Fogg is going to increase the representation of black Americans in the public defender's office and Sianka's not? The tough answer is that no, it's not worth it. In taking a closer look at the politics behind the appointment, of the head of an important governmental agency got me thinking about the larger systemic issues surrounding race, gender, and representation. But there's way too much to dig into that here. So I'm going to be tackling that in our next episode. Until then, you can find us on Twitter at CourtPod or drop an email at mayitdispleasethecourt at gmail.com. We would love you to rate and review the show. It helps others find the program. Thanks for listening.